The information in this podcast is current on the day of recording. It is general advice only and does not take your personal situation into account. It may not be suitable for you. Participants in this podcast may also own the stocks discussed. For a full list of current recommendations and stocks owned by staff, members of Intelligent Investor can visit www.intelligentinvestor.com.au. Welcome to Stock Take. My name is Goro Sodi. Joining me in this first remote Stock Take is analyst James Greenhouse. Welcome, James. Oh, it's all a bit strange, but yeah, we're, we're doing well. Hello, Gaurav. He's there. That's two of us. Okay, let's see if we can get the third guy. Welcome, James Carlisle. Are you there? I'm here, yes. Yes. Okay, phew. Okay, we'll, we'll have to let everyone else know that it took me about uh, 20 minutes to get set up, but we're all up and going. This is the first podcast we've ever done with the three of us in different locations scattered all over Sydney. And we've got someone organizing us all. So there's four of us doing this very simple activity of just trying to have a conversation. It's, <laughs> it tells us something about the age we're living in. Um, <laughs> tells and, us something that we find it so hard. Yes, <laughs> I, mean, I think there's a lot of people around the world doing this at the moment, and it's uh, it's not that difficult. I there's no know. visual cues. That's the problem for us. We're usually being, usually in the same room together, so there's visual cues, but it's all yeah. a bit difficult when there's uh, you can't see each other. Well, I found the technology hard because usually everything is integrated into your computer. So the Skype or a Zoom, you just press one button and it starts. But this is a lot of wires and fiddly things. <laughs> Gents, um, we're recording this on the Monday. Um, already this morning, there's been several new capital raisings. Um, this seems to be the new stage of the crisis. We've gone through the, the, the panic and um, the falling equity prices. We're now at the stage where businesses are coming back with capital raisings and plans. Our buy list is the longest I've seen it in years, if not ever. And I feel as though people are getting coming to grips with um, this being here for several months at best. So the question for both of you, and, and JG, perhaps we can start with you, is what now? What, what do we do now that we're sitting here with a huge new buy list, with a changed world, and ideas falling out of the sky. I, th I think we're possibly going to have different views on this, but to me, I, I've changed my view over the last few weeks. I actually now think this is not the time to necessarily rush in. You have you have time. There's no rush, um, but I think the important thing is to act when necessary quickly. So for me, um, I, I think this is going to take a while to unfold in in the sense of the opportunities that may present themselves. So there's no, there's no problem with um, buying things that are on our buy list. We're happy with that, but be aware that there may be some capital raisins coming, as you've seen this morning, and that uh, you need to keep a little bit of cash aside for those, and also for potential opportunities that come as you know as as the economy really falls off a cliff. Because as, as we as we've seen, I mean, there's the economy. Um, we've only really seen a couple of weeks of uh, low activity, and that's probably going to continue for a little while now. Certainly, in some of the most affected sectors. So for me, you can buy things on the list, but I don't think there's any uh, any need to rush in straight away. JC, uh, James, you've actually done the complete opposite. You you you've come in pretty quickly and bought your, some of your favourite stocks very early. How are you feeling with that decision? And would you do that again? Um, well, I wouldn't say I bought them very early. I mean, I bought. I well, mean, I've been. Cheap, but, um, but well, I think I think that the, the point I would make is that you know you don't want to go you know all in suddenly on a on a on a you know Monday morning. Um, the thing is to to take it slow. I think I agree with JG that there's there's no great rush, but I do think that you do need to keep sort of ticking along. I mean, if if assuming you have 
um, some cash to invest, you, you, you sometimes you've got to force yourself a little bit to do that because it can all seem a bit scary and you're never going to, you know, get the bottom. But I think that, that you know, that, that our buy list shows that there are more opportunities than there were. And I think it's right to be taking advantage of them. So with um, some of the things I've bought, uh, I haven't got the, haven't got the bottom in anything yet. Uh, who knows if we've re- even reached the bottom, but um, you know, I've been doing largely that. So I've been uh, topping up um, things along the way. I mean, I still have sort of emergency reserves that I could put to use, but I would prefer not to do that unless we were, you know, a good 20% cheaper from here across the market. So, you know, in case of absolutely crazy opportunities, I've got a little bit left, but otherwise I'm sort of fairly much in, yeah. It's hard to find those. I find that the the best opportunities are the ones that do come with the most uncertainty, the ones that make you feel terrible as you're pulling the buy trigger. And it's only really in hindsight that we realize that they're wonderful opportunities. Um, you know, I, I bought, um, uh, I've instituted a trading rule. So I now force myself to, um, to, to allocate cash at least once a month. Um, and I've done it twice um, in, in March. Um, and if I haven't done it um, at all, then I sort of just, just close my eyes and, and do it. Because I think the, what I learned from the GFC was um, what you buy almost isn't <laughs> that important. I mean, yes. obviously, you got to buy – you can't buy, buy rubbish, or, um, uh, and it, it does matter. But what matters more is just putting money in the market when it's universally low. I mean, you, there's so many opportunities. I just don't think we need to be as selective as we usually are. The important decision here is to get money in the market, not – not really be cute about where you want it to go. Um, and so I've got this rule where I'm forcing myself to allocate money at set periods of time. Um, and uh, I haven't wanted to do it at all. I've been actually feeling very, uh, quite nervous about this whole thing. Um, it's a medical emergency mixed with a financial crisis and um, a, a great, really deep recession. And I don't really know how this is going to end and I don't know how bad it can get. But those uncertainties are precisely the causes for great value, and so getting money in is the important part. But, I but if you were going, really... sorry, go on, go on, Jesse. Sorry, I actually think that's really sensible, Gaurav. I, I, I do it a slightly different way, but I, I think that's an excellent way to do it. Is it for me? It's more about if there's. Um, a particular stock drops heavily. I mean, there's been a couple of days in the past month where La Visa, for example, fell 15% and fell 20% and it kept yeah, doing that. Yeah, there was that. a day where it halved um, in one day. That's right. I think you, <laughs> yeah. you bought you bought in the $3 range. Yes. Um, I bought a little bit higher. Um, but I mean, there's those days where the market is really, really collapsing and there was one, there's been a couple of days where it's been down 5% or down 10%. I, I, I do the same thing as you. I force myself to buy those days and you're right. It, it's very uncomfortable. You feel, you feel, oh, this is terrible, but it's actually actually the right thing to do and you, you, as, as James said you may not get in the bottom either but but it's uh, yeah to almost force yourself to buy um, during these periods is actually I think a great strategy but but what you're doing there JG is you're being stock selective there I mean so on the day that you bought La Visa down at down high, you know 50% or something I mean the market was only down five or ten percent so um, I, I I mean I agree with the sort of discipline of just sort of you know, sometimes you have to force yourself a bit because psychologically it's it's difficult to to you know put money at risk. Um, but I do think it's right to be stock selective. You've still got to keep that value focus, and you've got to try to work out what's 
uh, rational and not rational. And I actually think that in this sort of situation, it's a little bit harder for us than normal because we, we're sort of long-term investors. We focus on what sets a company up well for, for the long term. But what we're facing right now is is a, a short-term dislocation of, of uncertain duration. Um, and the liquidity impacts of that, it's, it's something which is, is, you know, very hard to weigh. Um, and, uh, you know, you can see the market doing that with certain stocks, selling them down. And uh, I think another piece of advice is, is when you see a, a, a stock reaching into, you know, extreme value, um, uh, you've got to reckon that there's probably a capital raising coming. The, mar- the market yeah. sees yeah. those things ahead of times. And I mean, that's not a reason not to invest, of course. Um, but, uh, but you know, it, it, I suppose it emphasizes your point, JG, that you can afford to be patient in a lot of, a lot of these cases. And the market has been very efficient at working out where the, where the capital raising is going to come from. And they're the stocks which have fallen quite heavily. So you, you're, I think we've talked about this before, James, is that, yeah, you... you um, the, the, the market has gone straight for the companies that have a lot of debt. It's got, gone straight for the retail. It's gone straight for the REITs. It's gone straight for the shutdown affected companies. All those ones that are going to have a liquidity crisis or yeah. have a lot of debt, they're the ones the market's saying you need to raise capital and they'll almost be forced to. It's the, it's the sort of short term thing that the market actually does very, very well. And yes. so when you when you when your advantage is, is on the long term, you know, you, you can it can leave you a little bit exposed, but you just got to try to think things through um, and move gradually. I think not not sort of suddenly throw all your money into something and, and roll the dice, just buy in chunks. As John Addis, I think, wrote in a, one of his updates um, a little while ago. You know, don't worry about the increased broking costs at a time like this. You know, a few pennies here and there isn't going to make much difference. It's really struck me how efficient the market is. I, I guess we tend to, I mean, if you're a value investor, you almost by default have to think that there's periods of inefficiency in the market, otherwise our job pretty much doesn't exist. But um, it is hard sometimes to locate those inefficient pricings, even in a, in, a, in a big panic and a big crisis. It's interesting that the market has been correctly selective about what to mark down and things that haven't been affected um, haven't been marked down. I mean, look at Next DC, for example, or Macquarie Telecom, which are two businesses that that may actually benefit from this. I mean, they um, Next DC has raised capital and the price actually went up. Um, you know, that it's, it's remarkable that uh, even in a panic, um, not everything is falling. I remember the GFC was different. The G in the GFC, just everything fell no matter what, what happened. Um, this is not that case. So I do agree that, that patience is important at this time, but I, I also think that you can have too much patience and it's very comfortable and easy um, to say, wait and be patient. Um, but I, I still uh, would disagree slightly with, with both of you. And, and I think this is actually a time to be to hasten um, the the deployment of cash and I'm not saying being be impatient, um, but certainly you want to be closer to being greedy um, here, and uh, and I've certainly been being ready to deploy more capital. I, I've actually um, uh, changed my portfolio holdings a fair bit, and I've sold a lot of things that um, I'm less comfortable with or are less um, uh, less high quality, and um, I'm now dribbling um, consistent rounds of money into stocks that I know really well or ones that present better value. So maybe that's a great segue 
into what we're doing in our own portfolios, gentlemen. Um, JG, what kind of strategy are, are you following in your personal portfolio? I suspect this will be different for all of us and because I run a family super fund which has fairly um, my parents who are fairly elderly now and require income it's slightly slightly different for me so I think you've been being a bit more aggressive than me I actually have more cash now than I did a month ago and the reason and what they that the source of that cash is um, it's I've sold a few companies that I think are, are currently benefiting so Coles is the one I've sold a fair chunk of and and I'm still keeping some of that because I still think still, still think it's a good business but i think in terms of the fact that it's been holding up quite well it's it's worthwhile using that as a source of cash for better opportunities and also i had a listed investment company which i had a fair chunk in just as a place for parking ca- cash so i've used some of that cash so the cash from those holdings i've been putting in some of the things that have been more worse affected so um so i i i think it's in these times as you want to buy quality but you also need to buy the things that are getting really hit. And so for me, that's been things like Sydney Airport. I think most of us have bought Sydney Airport. Um, some of us prefer Auckland. Um, and um, I bought some um, I bought some LaVisa, as I think I've mentioned earlier. That's not the highest quality business. Um, I think we, we all need to acknowledge that. It was a good retailer at the time, and I think it'll be a good business down the track. But I, And I think it'll survive, but it's certainly not the highest quality there. And I, otherwise, I'm actually waiting a bit, as I've alluded to earlier. I think there's going to be a lot of capital raisings coming out. We're seeing some of those um, now, and I think you can really afford, well, in, in my view, and this will be different for all of us, um, I, I'm happy to wait for some of those opportunities and, and actually buy some of those capital raising companies down the track um, as they come out with their capital raisings, because uh, I think that tends to depress the price. So for me, as I said, I have, have a bit more cash than I would normally, and um, and that's partly because I actually th- think there's going to be some opportunities come down the track. And as, as you know, as I think... Two, two of you have said you need to be careful here because you don't want to be caught with all this cash in case the market sort of swings up. But my personal view is it's probably not going to swing up quickly. It's actually going to there's going to be some um, some pretty good opportunities that come out in the form of capital raisings over the next few months. For those capital raisings, JG, are you making sure you have a small stake in companies you're interested in to take advantage of share purchase plans, or are you waiting for capital raisings and then buying into a falling share price? Um, it varies. So I, I recently bought some Tabcorp and the pure reason why I bought that is because I think it's, it's going to need to raise capital and I want to participate in the share purchase plan. But uh, in some sense, I don't think you necessarily need to do that. I mean, Webjet's one I'm interested in. I haven't fully decided on that yet. Maybe we'll talk about that at some point. Um, but um, yeah, but there's, so there's companies that are actually already been hit by capital raisings. Um, I think you can also buy those. You don't necessarily need to wait for, you don't also necessarily need to be in the stock already. I think you can wait for those for those to come out uh, so it's really it is on a case-by-case basis so there are some that I think will be interesting a center group I think might be interesting I've been considering whether I buy some in that uh, and wait for the share purchase plan down the track um, so there are some um, there are some um, uh, I, th- I think you can wait for the capital raisings I suppose I don't think you need to but there's also you, you can also buy a select uh, amount if you think you you could get a chance in the in the, in the SPP. JC how about you? Yeah, so as I've said, I think it's important to invest uh, gradually in chunks. But where I perhaps differ slightly from uh, JG is that uh, I wouldn't necessarily be, be saying, you know, there's there's plenty of time and, and you can afford to be patient quite quite in that sort of sense. I think it's it's interesting to to note that we had a we had a development session uh, with our former research director, Greg Hoffman, the other day, and we were sort of talking in those sort of terms, and we were all sort of saying that 
we you know we, we were keen to keep a bit of cash and that was actually exactly the time yeah. when uh, it turned out afterwards that that was exactly the bottom of the market so far so who knows what's going to happen um but the market's always going to i mean at that point it was really gloomy this was what a week ago was it yeah two weeks ago was it? wasn't it two weeks ago monday yeah, yeah. um and uh, it was very gloomy at that time and you know the market can and will turn on a dime you know it, it'll be sort of just the faintest glimmer uh and uh you'll see a bounce i mean mm. who knows where we'll get to before then so um but it's stock I, I think specific it's... james as well sorry to interrupt it's stock specific oh, yeah, yeah. so, you, sorry, so you can so yeah so i agree the market may may rise but there but there may also be stock specific opportunities that don't rise with the market for the time being yeah look i i i accept that as well i mean look so stocks which are going to raise capital um, if you're confident that they're going to do that, then it's hard to believe that there's going to be a good opportunity to, I mean, better yeah. than, than when they actually do, um, yeah. especially if you've already got some shares in them. And so you need to hold some back to to participate because otherwise you, you get diluted. So I, I accept all that. So um, in my own portfolio, uh, I suppose, I mean, I invest um, effectively off my an offset mortgage, so um, the, the you know the amount can go up and down fairly fluidly. But there's a point at which um, I'm uncomfortable going beyond, um, and I suppose I've added about fifty percent to where my portfolio was um, a few months ago, um, and I've probably got about another twenty five percent to come um but only in extreme circumstances i don't want to you know i'd rather that was um that, that's eating into my comfort zone as it were so that just gives an idea of of where i'm at i suppose i mean i probably have gone a little bit early on a few things i went too early um on sydney airport uh, i think now it seems and I, I it's interesting actually i bought sydney airport and auckland airport the same day um just i think it was the day before we uh, both countries announced two week quarantines for international travelers so that 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 timing on that wasn't perfect um but also i think it was a mistake to buy both airports because you know for diversification purposes i think one's one's plenty um and in the end i actually sold auckland airport um so i'm out of that um and uh um so the, the the rest of uh my purchases have really been focused on quality that's um sort of my byword at times like this. So I've bought, um, I've topped up uh, Altium and Ordinate uh, and Seek. Um, I've started a position in Zero. Oh, that's um, interesting. Uh, which, yeah, it hasn't fallen a great deal, but um, it's fallen a bit. And um, I think it's it's a really good stock. Um, and uh, so perhaps not quite such quality, um, uh, but I've also uh, bought some Webjet. Um, so that's the most of my. Oh, and I finally sold my kangaroo plantation of timber. <laughs> Jeez. Oh yeah, it's, it, those For a fires. While, that was the best before yeah, we stopped on the market. Well, it was. It seems like <laughs> a long time ago. That, those mm. fires, but it, it's funny because I only got ninety cents. I don't know how much people follow that, but. Um, Look, I, I got a, a pretty poor price for the, for that. In normal times, I would have held on, thinking, you know, because uh, you know the, the circumstances they're in now, they've got a bit of cash, and you know they're probably not so bad. But you know, you've got to weigh up, you've got to weigh that up against the other opportunities that are appearing. So, um, uh, so I decided to take the hit on that, and it gave me a bit of um, cash to to put to use elsewhere. So, a question uh, whilst, for both for sorry, both of you. Yeah. Um, JC is probably answer this to some extent but but would you say that now is the time to target those really high quality 
companies that you've always had an eye on? And I guess on that list, JC, for me, uh, um, uh, Altium, REA, and maybe Seek and Zero. Those are companies I've always coveted and I don't hold any of. Is, is now the time to target those? Or would you rather use your capital to go into those really heavy hit businesses, um, things like Levisa, Sydney Airports, um, or in Centre Group? I guess it's I guess it's a balance, isn't it? Um, and you know, you don't want to have all. You don't, you wouldn't want to have a five stop portfolio all in in extreme <laughs> risk and with a lot of debt and in the travel sector. And so uh, you know, giving having a, a, a list of high quality names um, gives you the the you know the scope to maybe have two or three um, more speculative situations. Um, I, I've also increased my diversification so normally i sort of run a, i run a fairly uh focused portfolio sort of normally around eight stocks um but that's increased to 11 now so and that's a conscious thing to try to and partly that's why sydney airport that was a new stock for me um and so is webjet a new stock for me and and so i'm just consciously just trying to increase the diversification because you know there's plenty of scope for surprises here i think the other point i'd make is is about debt so some of these quality names do have quite a lot of debt so they're perhaps not quite as safe as you might think um i suppose c and sydney airport would be two on that list mm. um i'm very much more comfortable with the likes of zero um and Altium. I mean, the risk there, of course, is over their valuation, but they seem to be holding up pretty well at the moment. JG, same question. I have quite a different view on James to this, um, and, I, I, and I don't think there's any right answer. Um, mm. I, I, and this is something I want to get about in, in the next section, is for me, um, I am buying the things that are more, I'm, I'm naturally attracted to things that are more bombed out, uh, and that may be a risk in, in the current situation with these um, you know, heavily debted and liquidity com- liquidity issue companies. But yeah, I, I struggle with, um, with buying those. I, I agree with quality. I think we need to all stick with quality and we're going to have slightly different views on what is there. They need to be relatively big, durable businesses. But in terms of buying these, I suppose, what you might call high multiple stocks, I'm probably not interested in those at the moment. I think that the the bull market that we had um, up until February 2020, I think that's now gone. And those high multiple stocks that really, really did well during that market over the five and 10 year period, I think you need to be careful because I think they're probably not going to be the, 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 the sort of stocks that do well over the next um, 10 year period because they, they were already starting with high multiples. So personally, I prefer the more sort of bombed out quality and the more the things that are more uh, risky, maybe you might put it at the moment, but I, I think in terms of the valuation risk, I think the the valuation risk of the the zeros and the Al- and, and certainly Altium is more interesting to me now. But the the valuation risk of the zeros and the Altiums to me is now that those stocks are probably they're, they're certainly um, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of value at the sort of more value end of the market, which is sort of the more James Hardys and more Adelaide Brighton, which I started looking at recently and published something on Friday. To me, that's sort of more where the value is now. It's in those sort of really bombed out stocks. And those sort of ones that have held up quite well, I think, are, to me, if it was if I owned them, um, they would be more. They would actually be sources of um, sale capital for me. I'd be more interested in selling those. So, I, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, James. But uh, I mean, I, I think we're, you know, this time it's different. Those are famous words, aren't they? But um, I think at the moment we've got uh, a bunch of stocks, uh, which you know, it's it's the old platform. Um, concept and you know that the, the, these stocks which have 
um, established uh, strong platforms, I think, you know, they demonstrate quality and they can also carry on growing at a particular rate. It gives me confidence that they're going to grow a long time into the future. Whereas in the past, if you'd looked at a high revenue growth stock, you'd really have been looking at a fairly, or there's a risk you'd have been looking at a, a more short-term phenomenon. So so all I'm saying is that I think that, um, you know, in some of these stocks like Zero, that, that growth, I think, is you can you can forecast it out more comfortably for longer. And that's why, of course, they've they've done so well the last five years. Um, and I think that that, that still, um, you know, that fact still remains. So, um, but time will tell. But but so I, I'm particular. So most of these stocks, when I look through my portfolio, the Altiums, the Ordinates, REA, Zero, Seek. I mean, they're all platform type uh, stocks, and um, and and I, I'd be careful of uh, put it paying a high multiple for something that wasn't. So. That's interesting. Uh, it, certainly, if you look through historical routes. The companies that led the previous bull market never, don't usually lead the subsequent bull market. It's Correct. usually a rotation of new stars that that rise up. Um, so uh, historically, JG, I think um, history is on your side. But I do see JC's point, and um, something is different this time. These very large platforms, and we've got some here, smaller platforms here. But you look at overseas and those big platform names. Those things um, are like nothing that have come before them. And, and I think there is an element of this time it's different. Um, so I, I probably sit somewhere between the two of you. Um, and that is neatly on the fence because I, I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to be. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Um, I've also got an eye on what happens after this passes. And I think now is the time to start thinking about what the world looks like um, after the, the crisis ends. Are you two thinking about that at all in terms of investing and in terms of um, change behavior? Or, is, or do you think it's too soon to start doing that? And, and now is really the time for survival. Jay-Z? Um, I, yeah, I think that's something that's only really I've started thinking about the last week or so. Uh, I'm... Uh... I was originally. I think that the tendency in all the, in all these situations to think, oh, it's all going to go back to how it was before, and I think we're all guilty of that. And certainly, we all think, oh, the stocks that did well last time will be the stocks that do well this time, and it's all going to be. This is only a pandemic. It's only it's be over in three months and we're back to normal. And I think I'm changing my view on that. I actually don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. I think there's we we need to look at um, some quite different ways of the way um, of tra- traveling and and how traveling might work, and that's something. Really, only been worrying me in the last few days, and is informing my views about how I how I look at the travel stocks now. Um, so yeah, can so go, I, sorry, I started. Can you, can you go in, can you go into that a little bit more detail, just as a segue? What do you mean? Um, you don't you don't think people are going to travel in the same volumes as they have in the past? Um, well, I think in, in, the, in the long term, what worries me is that in the I don't I by Christmas, for example, I just don't think that people are going to be over the. Um, over the fear of the pandemic and mm. that we may be situ- in situations for example where um, traveling internationally it may not actually may not be possible for for quite some time uh, in mm. the sense that you may um, governments international governments at, at borders may require you to say oh yes I, I've, I've had the vaccine whenever that vaccine is ready or they may certify they may require you to say oh yes I've, I've had it um, I've had the antibody test before they even let you in the country so I'm just worried about that as well as all the fear that 
the fear of traveling. Um, so I, it just worries me that the cruise industry, for example, is dead and we don't have any cruise companies in Australia, but we have uh, companies that sell cruise products, like the travel companies. I just worry about that. So, I mean, I, I haven't worked through all those issues personally yet, but I, I'm actually a bit more worried about some of those um, the th- things that may never be the same again. And I know we've all, always got to be careful because you, you're influenced by uh, recency bias and you think, oh, you know, it's the pandemic is terrible and so on. And we all know that things do pass and it does change, but I think there may be some things that don't. Um, and that's perhaps one of the things that worries me at the moment. I'm not sure I agree because I, I don't see young people anyway having a, a lasting fear uh, from this. I mean, mm. after the peak, um, you know, the, the pandemic peak in, in a lot of the particularly European, North American countries will, will start coming down uh, the other side. And I think the crucial thing is the lockdowns. And once the lockdowns are released, I think that there's nothing going to stop young people wanting to travel. Mm. Uh, I think more vulnerable people might... Um, uh, want to say lockdown a bit longer? I think that they would be wise to do so. I'll, that's what I'll be recommending to my parents. But um, I think that young people, uh, I, I think they understand that the risks to them from this uh, virus are very low. And I think that once the lockdowns are removed, um, they're going to be travelling. And I think that once, you know, once we're the other side, um, this the, the 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 you know immunity herd immunity has been reached. Um, which I think will happen before there's a vaccine um, in most countries around the world. Um, I don't see that we, we're going to get a vaccine soon enough to, to help with that process. Um, but, you know, in a year or so's time, let's say, um, and uh, transmissions of the virus are very low, I think people will be will see that. And I think that, I mean, there, there have been risks to going on cruises for a long time. Um, and uh, everyone knows you got to. I mean, everyone knows you got to wash your hands a lot on a cruise ship. And I think that people will do that. I mean, th- that said, I think that there's an awareness now that there will be. Um, we, we've been very lucky for 20, 30, well, 100 years uh, to avoid a serious pandemic. And I think there's now a greater awareness. And I think that travel companies will carry more cash, <laughs> certainly for a little while. Yeah, That's look, the weird I, thing, isn't it? Flight center. You know, we, everyone thought it was pretty safe, and yet mm-hmm. it's been proved that actually, no, they they can't. They, they had a, a what we you would call a bulletproof balance sheet, and yet suddenly they need to raise um, seven hundred million dollars in cash or whatever it is. It's uh, it's quite incredible. Yeah, I think I probably I probably agree with JC here a little bit more. JJ, I I looking back at previous large scale pandemics, and we've had actually more than I realized. I saw a chart of just how many pandemics have killed lots of people in the 20th century and there's a whole lot of them starting with the you know the famous spanish flu everyone's been but, talking but nothing about. like the spanish flu or this this is easily the next uh, worst after the spanish flu yep yep but there was also um some really serious ones um, like i'd never heard of those there was a big um flu pandemic in the in the 50s uh, i'd never even heard of it even the swine flu um you know 10 years ago whatever it was i i barely knew about that um I just don't think these these things will will impact um, people who are most at risk, and that's why I'm really I think the cruise industry is almost finished because their main clientele were older people, and I think they're going to be much more cautious. And that industry is the economics um, require very large volumes to to make it work. I just don't. But if think there isn't, but sorry to cut in, but if there isn't a circulating 
um, you know, pandemic, then yeah. why would you not get on a cruise ship? I mean, I, I think people you, still you, gonna you be can, you, you, well, really? I mean, yeah. it would be very irrational. I mean, oh, the, no, it's, it's you, perfectly you can, irrational. Well, no, I don't, I don't, because I the don't alternative is death. Because no, but, but, yeah, but people are... can see whether there's a, whether there's a pandemic in, in, in progress. I mean, you know, people get gastro on cruise ships, people get all sorts of things, they get flu on cruise ships, and that hasn't stopped them going in the past. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, sure, there's a risk that there's another pandemic, but uh, but you, you can see a pandemic coming. Um, we've been a bit slow off the mark with this one, of course. Um, uh, but I think we'll be quicker off the mark with future ones. I think people, will, when they start hearing about these things, um, will stop going on cruise ships. But, uh, I'm, but I'm not sure that's the calculation, until... though. I think the calculation is just... Um, th- People probably realise, or it's brought, it's been brought to their attention, that these activities are much riskier than they thought they were. And I think, but only just, during that's... a pandemic. No, no, no. I, I think, <laughs> no. I, I think it'll permanently change some behaviours. And yes. cruise ships, I think, are at the at the top of that list. And, and I actually think I'd be surprised if, in two years' time, three years' time, we still have a viable cruise industry. I, I think it has. It's going to have to look completely different than it I'd, does now. I'd be astounded if we don't. I'm so, happy to take that there bet. We go. Two, two to three years. All right. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll come back and see. We'll shake, shake hands on that <laughs> when we next see each other. <laughs> unless, unless I'm, unless I'm wrong, and then we will just conveniently forget about it. Uh, yeah. On, right. on well, but I think I mean I, I hasten to say two or three years. Let's say, but two yeah. or three years, I, I, I'd be astonished if there wasn't uh, a cruise. Um, industry operating at at least say 70 80 percent of what it is now i mean we have some glimpses of what the other side looks like by looking at china and it looks as though people do return on the streets um, pretty quickly and um, normal commerce resumes almost the same as it used to Um, i don't think china has fully opened up its transport so it's hard to see what the travel arrangements look like but, but they this is have... two or three months, not two or three years. Yep, but it's the closest we have. So I think we need to just infer from from the evidence we have. China has been slow to open up um, air travel, and I think air travel is particularly vulnerable in the short term. So I think it might take, um, it might even take a couple of years before air travel is normalised. But in five years, I'm sure people are travelling in the same frequency and volumes as they were last year. I'd be surprised if if air travel didn't ten, in five or ten years time wasn't larger than it was in 2019 yeah i mean air travel is is um economically very sensitive isn't it yes. so um i mean if we get a big recession out of this then then that's going to have an impact there as well but again i mean once the lockdowns end um i mean people i mean i think older people um and vulnerable people are going to be more circumspect and quite rightly so but People um, and younger than me. I mean, I'm beginning to get up into the risk categories. So I'm talking <laughs> about sort of 20s, 30s, um, uh, and and you know, they're, they're, I don't see why they're gonna. Um, I mean, once the lockdowns end, once yeah. they're able to fly, once they're able to go back yeah. back around Europe, I think they will. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. Yep. Um, what about? Um, I find that at the moment, um, I, I've been trying to buy just um, plain paper to get the kids, um, you know, drawing and coloring, and Everything you try to buy on an online store is almost sold out. You, I, I've tried to buy puzzles, sold out. I, I think everyone being forced to shop online for a period of time, surely um, this just puts another nail in the coffin of physical retail, JG. Uh, you and I have both expressed interest in Center Group, um, and we both own a couple of retailers. 
What's your thoughts on what retail looks like on the other side? Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Gaurav, and that worries me as well. And um, probably particularly worries me from the point of view of the supermarkets is that this is going to f- this is actually force plenty of people who never shopped online before to actually shop online. And um, not only is the shopping online lower margin for the supermarkets, but they might have trouble meeting the demand coming out the other side of this. Um, so it's um, so there's some quite big risks there. So yeah, I think we need to be aware that um, these big events often do. Um, they force changes that were already afoot. They actually force them and make them accelerate uh, amplify them. them, I suppose. Mm. So yeah, so it, it does worry me. I think there, there's probably um, the the companies that were particularly at risk of um, online cannibalization, I suppose, are probably going to be even more so coming out the other side of this. And one thing I've learned is that if you're buying online from most traditional retailers, the experience is horrendous compared to a business that's um, that's. Uh, uh, built for an online experience that it's just Absolutely. so much better um, so I, I buy contact lenses for example on, on an online only store and there are a couple of um, places that offering online that that have physically it's just it's a completely different um, experience um, ditto for um, things like um, uh, anything groceries or shopping related if you're trying to buy from Coles and Woolies horrendous compared to um, catch of the day or something like that well I, I can offer an anecdote on that because I bought some things from recently uh, from Ikea and Bunnings right um, and the delivery slots for them were sort of months away or, uh, <laughs> and so I um, so I opted for click and collect they yeah. they were claiming contactless click and collect mm-hmm. uh, Ikea um, and so it was probably foolish of me to go over um, there yesterday morning, uh, Sunday morning. But uh, it was it was uh, it, it was actually contactless. But it was uh, uh, social distancing was being put to um, <laughs> um, put to a lot of trouble. There was um, it, it was a throng round there. I was there for an hour. They brought out the wrong stuff twice. Um, it was absolutely chaotic. Um, I then um, uh, went to Bunnings. And uh, there was a queue of about 100 meters, which, um, of course, everyone two meters apart. So it's not actually as big as it seems. But uh, they then said there'd be a further queue inside, uh, you know, to go to the customer service, to collect your click and collect. And I wonder what the point is of click and collect if you've got to (laughs) do all that. So I I turned around. It was time for lunch. So I turned around. But that's um, I think that's right. With these uh, sort of physical uh, store businesses trying to trying their hand at online, it doesn't go so well, does it? JC, uh, what about you? Yeah. Are there particular industries that you think are going to look very different? Um, the other one that sprung to my mind, just just um, commercial and office real estate, that can't look the same as it has in the past, surely, when everyone is now working from home. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that... Um... I think what everyone's highlighted so far, I mean, certainly retail, I think that you, you will see things were, that were being disrupted by online anyway. I think that you'll probably see that accelerate. So that's certainly um, retail. Uh, and But I would say much, to a much lesser extent, um, the commercial office. Um, and I think the point I would make is that I I think that the severity of the impact from this is going to be less than I suppose some are, are, are thinking. Um, so I'm, you know, I, I, I reckon that, um, in Europe, they're beginning to get over the peak of this, mm. uh, in Italy, um, particularly, um, and Spain maybe. 
And uh, I mean, in the US, there's a, uh, a there's a lot of nastiness to come, of course. I mean, in all these countries, there's still going to be a lot of deaths after the peak. So, but I'm feeling that lockdowns in the northern hemisphere probably it's it's beginning to look also as though this might be very temperature sensitive. Uh, so they reckon that it it transmits much better in um, between five and eleven degrees. So. As the weather gets warmer up there, I think that transmissions are going to get much less, and I think that they're going to get a bit of a uh, – they're going to be able to release the lockdowns anyway. So I'm I'm thinking that uh, probably the lockdowns in the Northern Hemisphere end after two, three months. Um, uh, maybe, you know, maybe late May, um, optimistically. And I'm not sure if that's really enough to mm. – um, make massive changes that we're we're all sort of talking about. So I mean, it's very sensitive to that, isn't it? If we're all locked down for six months, then uh, we, <laughs> then I think it will have a big impact on working from home and, and off from commercial real estate and all that sort of thing. But if it's if it's six six weeks to two months, um, much less so, I think. And I think that's the way it's beginning to look for the northern hemisphere. We got a problem here because of we're, we're moving into winter. So if we remain locked down until June, July, um, and then August. Ju- July and August is peak flu season, and, mm. and that's going to be when the temperature here is better for this thing to transmit. So we, we've got a slightly more awkward situation in terms of, of the length of our lockdown here. I, my personal view is that we should be really relaxing measures at the moment urgently so we can uh, let the business do, uh, you know, uh, let, let, let the economy do something for a couple of uh, months before tightening up again, perhaps in June. Anyway, um, so I think it's probably less severe. I mean, we're a small part of the world. So I think globally, it's probably slightly less severe, severe than, than feared. Um, but that, yeah, yeah, there are clear sectors that will, um, will, be, will be impacted for sure. But not cruises. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents, having gone through a fair bit of detail, let's try and distill um, some advice for listeners in a couple of points. So perhaps in in one, two, or at most three uh, top tips, um, what is the best way to get through the current situation? Whatever you learned that's working for you, um, and if you want, what what should you not do? Um, JG, why don't you start us off? Okay, um, my first tip, it seems obvious, but I just think it needs to be reiterated because there's going to be some people out there who are feeling pain. We're all feeling pain. The point is, don't sell. <laughs> um, I, it just worries me that, that there are times where, and we all feel this, I, I you know, on the, I think it was the 23rd of March when the market was down down 10% and it felt like there's a depression coming. You think, oh my goodness, I've got to get out and sell everything. And But the important thing is you, you need to stay the course if you have a, a decent portfolio. It doesn't mean you can't tinker around the edges, uh, but you know, do not sell. I, I always recall Greg Kaufman, our former research director, which we talked about earlier. Uh, he said that he had a call from a member in in March 2009 who said, oh, look, I, I can't cope with the market being down 50%. I've sold everything. And, of course, that was at the bottom. And um, and I, I just feel terrible for that person. And they, they clearly would have um, they, they would have missed the massive upside that, that then came over the course of that six months. So that, that, to me, is my first thing. I know it seems obvious, but just, you know, even when it's really tough and you're really feeling down, uh, do not, you know, do not sell out of because you because you're you're worried you need to you need to keep in there and remember that stocks are a fantastic uh, way of um, increasing wealth over the long term um, so my second tip um, if you're happy for me to go on to that Gaurav yep go ahead 
is um, is be flexible. And this sort of goes to what I was saying before a little bit. Um, I think is we, we get a lot of queries about CSL because it's been such a fantastic performer and, and people think, oh, I want to buy CSL and it's, you know, it's come down, whatever it's come down now, 10% or 10, 20%, not very far really. Um, but, but be aware that the stocks that you, you wanted to focus on, you know, in, in the bull market, you know, three months, six months, a year ago, may not be the best opportunities now. Um, it's, 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 uh, there may be better opportunities now and there certainly are. Our, our buy list is a lot longer and um, you know, you know, things like sort of James Hardy you may not have considered before um, or some of the more sort of cyclical stocks um, you know, that are now looking pretty cheap. Um, be aware that they, they may, may be the best opportunities in this market. And you know, I know James Carlos is going to disagree with me on that, but, uh, but yeah, so I'd, I'd just be flexible about the sort of, uh, the sort of stocks that uh, you're looking at and think that you know, the, the ones that were the best opportunities in the past may not be the best opportunities in the future. Um, uh, maybe I'll actually, but J, JC, won't you go next? Um, okay, well, I'll start straight away with uh, the, where JG said, I yeah, like to that's right. <laughs> um, but uh, um, I, I don't really disagree that much. I think everyone has um, different uh, ways of finding value, different focuses, different, uh, and I think flexibility is a, a good thing. Quality. Uh, when the, in times of uncertainty, quality tends to be my um, fallback. Um, but the key point I would make is that you just need to keep your focus on value, um, and that's always the case. But it's at times like this where you've got to you've got to remember it, um, and that's how you tell whether opportunities are, are appearing. Um, the other point I'd make, well, I, I got three. So the, the second point I make would be um, to buy in chunks. We've already said that. I mean, buy gradually, you know, and um, yes. and so finally, I'd say you, you uh, repeat that you do have to sort of make yourself do that, or uh, or at the very least, as JG has said, um, you know, don't capitulate. Um, I mean, and and what I've, I mean, I've written it down in my notes as don't get too bearish. It's it's very easy. When you read all these headlines, and headlines, remember, are designed to in, invoke fear. That's what gets us reading stories. Um, you know, they're 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 always they always look terribly scary. Um, also, the the past um, uh, experience from pandemics has been that the fatality rates sort of tend to start high and then get lower. We've already seen that to to a degree in in uh, in this one, but. Um, in the swine flu, I think they started off estimating fatality at 0.1% to 5% or something. I read recently um, uh, in the early stages of that pand pandemic, it ended, ended up undershooting that by uh, five five times at 0.02%. So, mm -hmm. um, it, it, you know, bear in, there, there are ways that this can be not as bad as the headlines are telling you. Um, uh, certainly economically, I mean, uh, you know. Um, and in terms of uh, the share market. So so be careful not to get too bearish um, and focus on value. Nice. Um, so my top tip is just to get money in. Um, I, I've said before that it's, you, I'm, I'm not advocating you, you, hang on, let me do it again. So my top tip is to just get money in. Uh, you know, there's a time for being ultra selective in what you buy and we should always be, um, selective to a degree, but this is a time to um, uh, to prioritize getting money in over being super um, careful and selective about what you're buying. Because I, 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 just, I just think um, if, there are so many ideas here, even by chance, if you just get money through the door, you're, you're going to trickle, you're going to stumble upon um, something that that's a good buy. And, and our buy list is the longest it's been um, 
since I can remember. So there's there's no excuse really for not getting money through the door. And um, I, I completely agree that you want to do it in tranches, but the point is you just want to do it. This is not the time to clam up and, and, and be scared and fearful and not to deploy capital. The whole point of investing, the reason it works over the long term is if you are able to deploy capital at, at times like this, because um, you, you can actually set yourself up for, for decades of return if you get set um, in a time like this. So I think it's really important to, to get money through the door. Um, my other, the other point um, I'd make is that with so many opportunities available, and I, I find myself in this position, I'm kind of um, get distracted by, oh, that's cheap and that's cheap and that's cheap and that's cheap. And there are so many things to look at. You can have the intention of buying a whole lot of stuff and never get around to actually buying anything. And so I've tried to deal with that problem just by um, buying the stuff I know the best, even though it may not be the cheapest or the best stuff, um, just the stuff I know really, really well. Um, I just feel comfortable deploying capital in companies I know well, and I've been doing that. Um, so, um, you know, that's what gave me comfort in buying LaVisa um, on that day where it halved. Um, I put money into a bit more money into New Hope Corporation, um, and I put a bit, bit of money into um, um, Auckland International Airports, which I've been following for some time. Um, you know, I, I think buying what you know is a good way of overcoming fear. And if you can do that, you, you'll end up doing point number one, which is getting money through the door. Um, and the third point is to, um, I, I don't think this is the time to buy the single best quality stock you can find. I, I would actually advocate leaning into the pain here. Um, there are decent enough businesses that are um, that have been sold down really heavily heavily we all know what they are and we all know all the sectors that are hurting the most I think now is the time to focus on those sectors um, and buy the stuff that's been really beaten down um, it does come with much more um, fear a lot more pain and difficulty in actually pulling the trigger but if you're able to get to actually buy something then buying something that's been beaten down and truly unloved um, is probably the best bang for your buck at this point and um i've been trying to do that as well um so that's it for sensible me. man gorev <laughs> well um one of the one of the, my earliest memories of of coming and uh, working at ii is is jg saying uh you know feel the fear and do it anyway and jg's yeah. voice just just rumbles through my head <laughs> and much like jc's does every time i eat a piece of meat <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think I mean what you say about leaning into some of these badly affected sectors is, uh, you know, not, not I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. What I would say is, if you're doing that, you'd probably need to uh, have a broader diversification. I mean, I, I suppose perhaps I, I shy yeah. away from that sometimes because I run quite a um, you know a, 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 a yeah. tight portfolio. So um, if you're if you're buying more speculative situations, then you mm. probably need to have more of them. Although you can argue about how speculative Sydney Airports really is, I mean, I don't, I don't think your equity. Oh, I've got go that to, on my quality zero, list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I could raise capital, but but as we saw from Auckland Airport this morning, if if, if it has to raise capital, there seem to be plenty of people happy to provide equity to airports. Now, gents, we're going to try and do this um, weekly, so expect podcasts for the next little while to be um, on a weekly basis. If you have any requests or questions, feel free to to send them in, and we'll see if we can get to those as well. Um, but for now, JC, JG, thanks for very much for joining me. Thanks. Thanks, Gaurav. Thanks, James. And for everyone else, thank you for listening. <laughs>